In the boardroom of the University College Dublin School of History and Archives, there hangs a large portrait of Owen MacNeill. The painting by Sean O'Sullivan was completed in 1941, the final year of Owen MacNeill's tenure as Professor of Early, including Medieval Irish History, in UCD, a position he had been appointed to in 1909. In his NUI gown, seated below amply stocked shelves of books, O'Sullivan's portrait depicts a distinguished-looking man who looks every inch the scholar. It is perhaps difficult to reconcile this MacNeill with the historical figure in the public's imagination. MacNeill, the Chief of Staff of the Irish Volunteers, MacNeill of the Countermanding Order in 1916, MacNeill, the Controversial Boundary Commissioner. It's fair to say that his distinguished academic career, a career which was foundational for the field of early Irish history, has been completely overshadowed by his political activities during the Irish Revolutionary period. The details of those activities are well known, but this documentary will focus instead on Owen MacNeill's considerable legacy as a scholar. In O'Sullivan's portrait, the seated MacNeill has chosen to hold one particular volume from the shelves behind. This book has a distinctive dark green cover, and though the name on the spine is not visible, the book bears a striking resemblance to his first book, Phases of Irish History. This book, based on a series of public lectures, was first published in 1919. I think the first thing I ever encountered was Phases of Irish History. Professor Davi O'Cronin of the Department of History, NUI Galway. Um, there was a time, I think, when every home in Ireland had it. MacNeill, as you know, published three or four books. And Phases is the book that really started people thinking in about, you know, prehistoric Ireland, the so-called invasions, the Leor Gavala, the pseudo-history that has come down to us and so on. And MacNeill, I think, was the first person to set people thinking about it in a proper modern historical way. Certainly Phases of Irish History was a book at home. I still have it. I can see the cover almost dripping off it at the moment. It's it's so old at this stage. But it was a very popular book. And if you had gone to any second-hand bookstore in Dublin, I'd say mm, 30 years ago, you would have found oodles of copies of Faces lying around. I first came across Owen MacNeill when I was an undergraduate student. Dr Elvie Johnston of the University College Dublin School of History and Archives. I didn't connect this Owen MacNeill uh, with the nationalist politician, Minister of Education uh, in the Irish Free State. And and by the time I did, I had become more familiar with MacNeill as a scholar. I enjoyed reading his writing because he's in fact a very good stylist, very clear, very nice analytical style, real turn of phrase. Um, And he also wrote on just so many different topics. Uh, MacNeill was an expert on kingship, on the organisation of society. He interrogated the political role of of genealogies, their manipulations in a historical way. He debunked some of the romantic pseudo-history about the history of Ireland. He wrote about saints, he wrote about early Irish literature, he investigated the earliest writings in Irish, the Ogham Stones, uh, and so on. The sheer volume of his work was extremely impressive. Owen MacNeill was born in Glenarm, County Antrim, in 1867. He was educated locally at first and later attended St Malachy's College, Belfast. In 1887, he obtained a junior clerk's position in the Accountant's General Office in Dublin. Shortly after, he began to study Old and Middle Irish under the tutelage of Father Edmund Hogan. Well, MacNeill very much served an apprenticeship with Father Edmund Hogan, a very famous scholar whose onomasticon, uh, his, his study um, and identification of, of Irish place names is still 
a fundamental tool uh, for modern historians. McNeil worked with him and in fact was involved in the compilation of the Onomasticon, uh, you know, a major achievement in and of itself. Working with Hogan, he taught himself paleography, he worked on learning Irish and so on. So McNeil, very much in the way a modern historian would, identified the skills that a historian needed. He needed to be able to read the sources. He needed to be able to understand the language. He needed to be able to disseminate it. McNeil managed to continue his academic work in his spare time whilst working as a civil servant. He continued working in this way until his appointment as the inaugural professor of early, including medieval Irish history, at UCD in 1909. This honour was, by all accounts, richly deserved. So what was it that made O'McNeill's scholarship stand out? What very much distinguishes McNeill from his contemporaries is that McNeill works with historical sources, he goes to the primary sources, he goes to the manuscripts, uh, he analyses these sources in a very profound uh, and very empirical manner. Uh, McNeil also has a genuine uh, historical insight. Uh, Owen McNeil is somebody who was interested in how societies functioned, how they functioned pragmatically. So unlike, say, the antiquarians who preceded him and who very much had a very romantic image of Ireland, McNeil was asking real historical questions. And unlike many of his contemporaries, these questions were underpinned by his knowledge of the sources and by his linguistic competence. I think what makes MacNeil different in terms of the professionalisation of history is that in the first instance, for example, he was the first ever professor of early Irish history in the new National University, established in 1908. And part of the propaganda of which MacNeil had been such an important part was to do precisely that, to establish a national native university system in which native culture would be recognised. So here he is, a professor of early Irish history in an Irish university, the first time ever. So that in itself is important. Secondly, it's the virtue of the fact that he himself is the first representative and because he was so formative. MacNeil, for example, is the first person to look at the huge corpus of genealogical material that we have, a really an amazing amount of material, way, way more than any other country has uh, for the same period in Western Europe. Um, he puts the evidence of all the names that we have in the genealogies with all the information that we have in the annals. And again, we have in this country far more in the way of analytic or sort of proto-chronical material than you'll find either across the water in Britain or anywhere else in Western Europe. And MacNeil put all of these things sort of on the table, as it were, uh, metaphorically, and matched up the names, matched up the dates and so on. And by, by establishing the connections, what we would say joining the dots, he was able to piece together sporadic, separated, dissipated, dispersed bits and pieces of, of information, which when you join them together actually allow you just that little bit more of a glimpse of what's going on. And that allowed him in. That That's really what gave him the key to the door. The other guys, the 19th century scholars who were great in their own way, never really got behind the surface of the, the material itself. They're fantastic in terms of their knowledge, but MacNeil is the one who was able to open the door or open the window and get in behind and then follow the traces back down the line and, and to piece together way more of the information uh, in a coherent way. And that's what I mean by being forensic. Of course, Owen MacNeil wasn't just well known because of his work as a historian. His involvement in the Gaelic League, and later as Chief of Staff in the Irish Volunteers, representative in the First Dáil, a later minister in the Free State Government, made him a very prominent political figure. This raises the obvious question of his political views colouring his scholarly output. 
So was his popularisation of early Irish history a form of political propaganda? MacNeill the politician and MacNeill the historian are certainly very difficult to separate. MacNeill's political interests were deeply informed by his ideas about Irish culture. His interests in Irish culture were deeply informed by his politics. So MacNeill was a scholar politician, a cultural politician in a way. So there's always a sense when you read MacNeill that the entirety of MacNeill's career is important in terms of understanding his scholarship. Over half a century, he left an amazing body of scholarship behind him. But that body of scholarship was also produced during the formative years of the Gaelic Irish movement through the formative years of the Irish Free State. So obviously this influences MacNeill uh, to an enormous degree. And in particular, it certainly informs his particular fascination with the evolution of Irish institutions, because for him, institutions imply state formation and civilization. I would think that MacNeill probably came to the Irish idea, the idea of Irish independence from his study of Irish sources, but then that doesn't require an IQ of millions. If, if you look at what happened in Ireland before 1169, that is native Irish history, pretty much uncontaminated except by the arrival of the Vikings. But if you want a pure, undiluted early Irish history, go back beyond the Vikings again, go back beyond 800, and all of a sudden you're in this land of, of the pure native gale. Now, I don't mean that in any disparaging sense. It is a matter of fact. We're talking about a period of history which is strikingly different by comparison either with the history of the offshore island or the history of continental Europe because from the period roughly from 400 on to 800 in every country to the east of us you're talking about the end of the Roman Empire and the beginnings of modern Europe so-called the small uh, barbarian so-called Germanic states that doesn't happen in Ireland and therefore MacNeill and others like him I think see the possibility I'm not sure that they believed it always but they see the possibility of finding in Ireland a kind of culture, a kind of society that is not Roman, demonstrably not Roman, since we were never part of the Roman Empire, except in a peripheral sort of sense, obviously, uh, and that has been uninterrupted. There has been no cataclysmic break into that society for 500 years. One area which I think it's fairly obvious you can pick, uh, pick out a bias in MacNeill is his interest in writing national history. However, writing national histories was the vogue for the time. So if you look across the water, uh, you can see somebody like William Stubbs uh, writing about the Anglo-Saxon past, uh, giving England a national history. Closer to home, uh, somebody like Goddard Henry Orpen, whose uh, history of, of the, the Normans in Ireland um, is still, still a text uh, that historians go to. So this idea of writing a national history, the history of the nation, um, is something that could be seen as intensely patriotic, uh, even nationalistic, but it was what historians did at the time and is very much coeval with the origins of history as a discipline. So it does seem anachronistic to criticise uh, MacNeill for this aspect of his work. One thing, however, which is, is remarkable and is really worth stressing about MacNeill is MacNeill was born in 1867. Leopold von Ranke, who is regarded by most historians as being the founder of history as an academic discipline, uh, only died in 1886. So MacNeill was writing at the very dawn of history as a professional discipline. Because it was in its infancy, it inevitably went through teething difficulties. And, you know, it's very easy for historians now who are writing as part of a mature profession uh, 
in a disciplinary context which has evolved over the last century to look back on McNeil and, and to pick out areas where he could be seen as flawed. But it's always imperative to remember when he was writing, why he was writing and who he was writing for. In terms, I think, of what McNeil was trying to do or what he thought his ultimate goal was, you have to remember in the first instance that he came out of a British imperial background. You know, he was he was part of a culture where everything was British and British-centred and, and London-centred and so on, and Britain ruled the world. And therefore, there didn't appear to be much space or place for for little people, so to speak, or little countries. Whereas, for example, when you read MacNeil's article, uh, A Pioneer of Nations, you can see that he is very patriotic in, I I would say, a benign sense. Uh, There's nothing wrong with being patriotic. In his sense, though, he he realises from his reading of the sources that there is a vast amount of material untapped, unknown to the Irish people at large, which reveals that Irish culture, Irish civilization, everything to do with the Irish in the period before either the coming of the Normans in the 12th century or even more so before the coming of the Vikings around 800, let's say, that there is a a very, very substantial, a very sophisticated culture that the Irish had produced themselves. And one of the reasons why they could do that is that they don't have the same post-Roman history as every other country in Europe. Owen MacNeill had a long and distinguished academic career. So what are his greatest achievements as a scholar? I think MacNeill's greatest achievement as a scholar is that he made early Irish history respectable. He made the history of Ireland before the coming of the Normans or before the coming of the British or the English. He made that a subject worth studying in itself and of itself. And he's the first person who showed the richness, the potential and the various other things that could be done with that kind of material. MacNeill had many great scholarly achievements. He was centrally involved in the foundation of the Irish Manuscripts Commission, um, an institution which remains in existence to this day. The Irish Manuscripts Commission was tasked with producing editions of, of, of Irish texts and with the dissemination of these texts to a wider audience. The IMC still works to this day and has produced uh, text editions of very many early Irish sources. MacNeil was very far-seeing in identifying this need, and it's really very much part of MacNeil's concern with the archive, with history as being made up of sources which need to be archived, understood, edited, translated, disseminated. So very much part of MacNeil's overall vision of what a historian should do. MacNeil also, I think, has achieved greatly in terms of the dissemination of history. MacNeil was the first public early Irish historian. When I'm talking about a public historian, I'm talking about somebody who went out to disseminate his works to the general public. He did this through public lectures. He also did did this through writing. So, for example, his phases uh, in Irish history um, is based on public lectures which he gave. Uh, MacNeil writes in a very lucid uh, style uh, in books like Phases in in Irish History, uh, like Celtic Ireland and so on. He writes clearly and he writes for the public. Uh, He writes to explain the Irish past to the Irish people. And along the way, he debunks things. Uh, He debunks the romanticism of the antiquarians. He debunks the notion that the Irish had come to Ireland around the time of the flood. 
So, you know, he's he's establishing history uh, within a recognisable framework. I think most impressively, he rejected uh, the essentialism of race. So, for example, MacNeil said there was no such thing as an Irish race, uh, something which many modern people uh, could take their cue from. He also rejected the essentialism of nationalism. It's quite interesting because of MacNeil's profile as a nationalist. Uh, MacNeil did believe in celebrating the past of nations. This is something he is he is overt about. But at the same time, he doesn't see this as something which is essentially nationalistic. So he makes a distinction between the national history and nationalism. And it's a very important ideological uh, distinction to make. MacNeil can be seen as having very multifaceted achievements. He's achievements in institutionally establishing the field, establishing the Irish Manuscripts uh, Commission. He has achievements which are based on his academic writings, uh, his work on, you know, Irish population groups in particular, uh, his work on uh, the Book of Invasions and so on. I suppose you could say the foundation of the National University was the ultimate achievement for the entire Irish Ireland movement or the, the the native movement or the the political cultural political Irish movement because it established a university fashioned in a way that made it Irish to an extent for example say the, the Queen's colleges had not been beforehand by definition this was a university for the Irish or for most of the Irish in which they could study and profess and publish and research aspects of their own culture, their own language, their own society, their own laws, for example. And MacNeil was a very, very important contributor to the study of early Irish law, or Brehan law, as it's called. And from that point of view, I think that is definitely the acme of achievement. And MacNeil, insofar as he was the first professor of early Irish history in the National University in UCD, has to be regarded as extremely important. In terms of his scholarly legacy, I would certainly say that his greatest legacy is that he wrote what is recognisably history. He wrote empirical history based on source analysis. And along the way, he rejected notions of of race, uh, which had informed uh, history up to that point. On a more, I suppose, academic point, His work on Irish population groups is still absolutely fundamental and has stood the test of time. His work on kingship, uh, despite perhaps the fact that he sees the institution as more centralised than it actually is, is still the foundational point of the discourse on kingship. And in fact, it is remarkable the number of subjects in which MacNeil's voice is the first that one has to seriously engage with. So this is uh, a remarkable scholarly legacy. Uh, No early Irish historian can work without looking at MacNeil's writings. O. MacNeil covered an extraordinary range of topics over the course of his long academic career. But did he have any failures as a scholar? Frankly, I find it hard to find um, aspects of MacNeil's scholarship, let's say, that I wouldn't be happy with today. I mean, his methodology is as good as anybody else's as far as I'm concerned. If there is a fault to be found with him, I think there is a degree to which he was perhaps a little bit overpious in regard to Patrick and Christianity and the role of the church in Ireland. I say that now because he was well aware 
uh, in the, the decade or so after the turn of the century. He was well aware from the fact that Bury, the great J.B. Bury, had published his Life of St. Patrick and his place in history in 1905, which completely revolutionised the study of uh, the early Irish church and the role of Patrick in it. Uh, and yet MacNeill uh, must have realised that, that that represented an entirely different take on the Patrick problem and the story of Christianity and so on from everything that went before. And yet MacNeill clung on to aspects of the traditional St. Patrick that we would find anachronistic. And that strikes me as very odd, because in everything else, MacNeill is anything but anachronistic. He's very sharp and really has no time for any nonsense. And yet I think it's it's something to do with his basic underlying Catholic uh, mentality, if you like, Catholic-Irish mentality, if you want to put it that way, that makes him reluctant to jettison a lot of the things that had accumulated in the course of, of time for Patrick's legend. Uh, MacNeill can certainly be criticised as being too statist in his views of the early Irish ha- early Irish past. So, for example, um, MacNeill identified kingship as a key institution. Um, his early Irish kings were not too dissimilar uh, from the monarchy of uh, of Victorian Britain. And you know, MacNeill certainly had his biases. For him to prove, in a sense, that early Irish society was worth studying, it had to be civilised. To be civilised, it had to have state institutions. Now, MacNeill is very much writing as a product of British imperial culture um, and one which saw state formation as being absolutely crucial. You know, this, again, is something that MacNeill can be criticised for. Um, It is a bias, of course. Uh, Certainly, MacNeill had his flaws. He was very much a man of his time. But as I have said previously, he was also a man who transcended his time. Early Irish laws and institutions, which, you know, to you and me and people interested in early Irish history, might have appeared to be the answer to a prayer is actually a very bad book. It's a real disappointment and we had to wait until we got Fergus Kelly's Guide to Early Irish Law before we had a really substantial and you know, modern scholarly uh, summary of what we know about early Irish law. But leaving that aside and bearing in mind that early Irish laws and institutions, like the other books, arose out of a series, in this case, a series of public lectures given in the States, and therefore the material had to be pitched at a certain level which would be accessible to people in the States who obviously wouldn't have access to the same degree of familiarity with Ireland or Irish history as Irish people would have. And so I think that explains why that particular book is not as good as the other collections. During his lifetime, O'MacNeill published a number of books, including Phases of Irish History and Celtic Ireland. Almost a century on from the publication of his first book, why would anyone read MacNeill today? MacNeill's scholarship is still very much worth reading. Uh, It can be read on a number of different levels. It can be read out of historical interest. Uh, MacNeill offers great insights into the Ireland uh, in, in which he grew up and to which he contributed. He's also a good writer. It's easy to to read MacNeill. He's worth reading because a great deal of his work is foundational to early Irish history. Uh, In terms of a scholarly audience, uh, MacNeill's work on population groups has stood the test of time. MacNeill's work on kingship is still absolutely necessary in terms of something with which a historian has to engage. So MacNeill is inescapable for a scholarly uh, audience. But in terms of a a more general audience, the the people that MacNeill was so concerned to reach, is MacNeill still worth reading? He is, because as I mentioned before, MacNeill writes well, he writes clearly. And in fact, 
McNeil's attempt to disseminate his work in such a public manner um, has rarely, if ever, been equalled. And modern historians could learn a great deal from McNeil's passion for public history. I think people should read McNeil today because, as somebody else remarked of him, the glory of McNeil is not so much that he said the last word on anything as that he said the first word on so many things. McNeil touched on aspects of Irish history uh, and gone literally where no man had gone before. You know, he, 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 he got himself in the first instance and I think he got the rest of us out of, of the mire of antiquarianism, the pietistic sort of approach that was part and parcel of the 19th century Irish studies phenomenon and introduced, whatever you want to call them, Rankian methodologies, German techniques of historical analysis. I don't care what you describe them as, but he introduced a degree of, of, of common sense and, and, in his case, extraordinary sharpness. Well, I certainly recommend to students nowadays to read MacNeil, not necessarily because there's nothing better than him on any specific subject, but because MacNeil is such a superb writer. He's a a real master of English prose. And I don't mean that in any sort of highfalutin kind of fluffy, flowery kind of language. He is very, very direct. He's very clear. He's very much to the point. And he's a pleasure to read. He's also very good in terms of the logic of what he says about things. He's very, very good in polemical terms in the way that he dismantles the arguments of the opposition. And by opposition, I would mean the Ireland under historians, as they were called. Everybody who said that Irish history wasn't worth studying before the arrival of the Normans or whatever the case may be. And from that point of view, everything that MacNeil wrote, either in terms of, you know, the North began in political context, or a pioneer of nations in a cultural context, or where does Irish history begin in a general sort of popular context. All of those things are worth reading and rereading. They are superb examples of English prose. Finally, though the details of his political activities during the revolutionary period are well known, can it be said of O. MacNeill that he was a revolutionary scholar? Yes, I think in almost every respect. Um, because he showed respect to early Irish history and early Irish culture and early Irish literature, early Irish laws, early Irish institutions, a kind of respect that really nobody had shown before, or at least not in this country. MacNeil would have been one of the first types of scholars who would have been respected by scholars, say, in France or Germany or Italy in the period, say, from the end of the 19th century and into the 20th century, because he had got away, if you like, deliberately had divorced himself from British history as you know the history of, of, of the constituent parts of the greater British Empire and was concentrating on Irish history for Irish people in terms of their own Irish Irish culture. So definitely um, I would say he's revolutionary in the way that he defines the scene for himself, in the way that he applies both uh, native Irish vernacular, old Irish materials and so on, and Latin information, uh, which is the second part of our culture if you like, puts those together and puts together what is the raw material of the manuscripts with the modern methodologies I think of 20th century technical historical studies. Given the time MacNeil was writing in, remember MacNeil's scholarly career goes back to the the last years of the 19th century. Uh, MacNeil dies in 1945 and really over half a century he created uh, an amazing body of historical research and he did it without all of the, the tools uh, and resources that modern historians have. Uh, a modern historian has access to um, proper text editions, has access to, uh, you know, dictionaries, grammars, 
the internet and so on. Uh, Owen McNeil didn't have this, so his achievement is all the more impressive. <laughs> 